an interview with the real princess of power, Cheryl Ilove on health, healing, and martial arts. In this exciting interview, we sit down with the incredible Cheryl Ilove, author of Forever Fit and Flexible and The Reluctant Ninja, to discuss her powerful message of hope and healing. Cheryl shares her insights on alternative health and healing, empowering individuals to take charge of their well-being rather than rely solely on medical professionals. She also discusses why every woman and girl should study martial arts and how it can transform you from a princess to a warrior queen. Finally, she'll review the amazing power of neuroplasticity and how you can harness it for good. Don't miss on this incredible conversation that will leave you feeling inspired and ready to take charge of your health journey. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Cheryl is a former chronic patient who embarked on a journey of self-healing and lifelong learning. She healed herself after her medical team declared her incurable, became a physical therapist, and taught hundreds of clients how to heal themselves. Her journey includes discovering the healing power of an ancient Japanese martial art called Ninpo Tai jutsu and i hope i said that right i'll ask her and beginning her training at the tender young age of 47 even though she just knew she was going to hate it 10 years later she became her teacher's first female black belt please help me welcome cheryl Hello, April. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for that fantastic introduction. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. Did I say that right? Or can you pronounce it better for us? I am very impressed. I think you did a heck of a good job, but uh, it's (laughs) Nimpo Taijutsu. Okay, perfect. If you say it fast, it sounds smoother, right? Yes. Everything you say fast just kind of rolls off your tongue. Yes. Well, (laughs) You know, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. You've done so many cool, incredible, inspiring things. Mm -hmm. That is why you got the title of the show the way you did, uh, Princess of Power, because 
you know, to me, that was one of my childhood superheroes was She-Ra. And so you're kind of the real life deal here. Oh my goodness, what an honor. And you know, it's the mantle of responsibility placed on my shoulders. Um, <laughs> the whole universe. You know, I really, <laughs> I, I embrace that. Well, you know, I, I know a little bit about you, but could you please share with the audience a little bit about yourself? Let's get them to know you. Okay, well, I let's just start with the princess of power um, because I just love that so much. Um, I basically used to be a doormat. And, you know, everybody could kind of wipe their feet on me. I really didn't mm. have the ability to stand my ground, find my voice, and really to be able to be a strong, empowered person. I honestly believe that that warrior spirit was inside of me deep down, because I know I had it when I was younger. But as you all know, you know, your listeners understand, as we go through life, stuff happens to us, and it's not always good. And life is really, really tough sometimes and very challenging. And some of those hits just knocked me down time and time again until it got to the point that I really didn't have a voice. I didn't have a solid foundation to stand on and I was not empowered at all. And it wasn't until things, things got very, very messy um, that I was able to find that warrior spirit, the fighting spirit, and that kind of inner strength and power that I know and I firmly believe is in each and every one of us just waiting to be discovered and waiting to be released. Oh, and you're right. That's so beautiful. And we all go through so much trial and tribulation because that's life, right? And mm -hmm. the trick of it is, is to know that we have that within us and mm -hmm. that we can actually utilize that power. Mm -hmm. And so you have some, you have many stories across the board from young childhood to into your adulthood, of course, and beyond. And, you know, I think some of the most empowering things about your story is just that with your age and, and many people don't feel that they can. There's a million limiting beliefs in that mm -hmm. age sector, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing and what you have done to empower yourself is really shining light to empower others. Mm -hmm. You know, and that ageism actually starts at a very young age. I never realized it before um, until now I am in the age group that I am. You know, I'm, I'm a senior. <laughs> I can't believe I actually am, uh, but I don't feel like one. I mean, I mean, I was a senior in high school. I was a senior in college, but I'm a senior citizen. That just doesn't really, it doesn't fit. I, I, it just doesn't. But even growing up, you know, we were always told, act your age. Don't be so immature, blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, we are starting to get mature. And then it's like, well, now you're too old. You can't do certain things. I started um, taking ballet classes when I was 19 years old. And of course, I was told, you can't take ballet because you are just way too old. When you're 19, you're not too old to do anything, really. I mean, that's just craziness. And I, I heard, you know, you, I started to really pay attention to what society um, and even our family, our friends um, tell us about mm -hmm. our age and our limitations. And even if we don't inherently believe that originally, that we have these limitations, if you hear that over and over and over again, then eventually you will believe that narrative. You'll believe that story. And then you will become the label that the other people will put on you. 
I, uh, you do, unfortunately. It's very strong, the societal and cultural norms that mm -hmm. people place on us. And there's this huge thing and feeling of identity and mm -hmm. the identity crisis based on what everybody else thinks everybody should be like. And so you have really been this I, I'm going to take things out of the norm. I'm going to go against the grain. At 19, they said, no, 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 you're a little too old for this. Mm -hmm. And you were like, well, I'm going to try it anyway. So mm -hmm. I love that about you is that you have just kind of jumped and, you know, that taken that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure if it was a leap of faith um, more than don't tell me what I can and cannot do. You know, it's just that, that fiery um, energy. That, again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, as I told you before we were recording, yes, that um, incomparable stubbornness. I wear that label with, uh, with pride because it's mine. Um, I made it up. So it's one of those things I'm very proud of. And it's gotten me through some really rough times as, as well as some really fun times too. Um, but even, you know, I think I do think outside of the box and I think I am willing to take some chances. And I've had people tell me, oh my goodness, you're just so adventurous. You're so courageous. You're not afraid to try anything. And what they don't understand is I am afraid almost every single day, but that doesn't stop me from trying things and from doing things. Mm. And it I've shouldn't stop thing anyone. You're right. I've heard a uh, few people say that you should do something that scares you each and every day. I, that's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that I think it's, you should do something that scares you. I think she even said scares you to death, but it scares you each and every day. And mm -hmm. while I think, hey, that's a really nice quote, I, I think that's a little, that's pushing it. I think doing something <laughs> Scares you every day. I mean, let's think about it. Sometimes just getting out of bed is kind of frightening. I mean, my goodness, you know, you might um, trip over a dog or a child's toy or, you know, just slip in the shower and all of the myriad of things that can go wrong. If we start thinking about that, we're never going to get out of bed. Oh, that's true. And, you know, there's various stages of, of what would be most terrifying to someone would be not so much to others, right? So exactly. I think there's varying degrees, of course, and maybe not to be so extreme to where you're compromising your total well-being. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and I did get to that point, of course, in my life more than once, probably. But I remember, um, especially particularly before I began my training in martial arts, I was afraid of my own shadow. And even my the man who became my sensei, my teacher, was my acupuncturist before he became my teacher. And he was like, you know, you're even afraid of your own shadow. And I'm like, mm -hmm, yes, I am. And my husband used to travel a lot. He was in medical sales. And I would be terrified. I was even afraid of the dark. There I would be alone in this house by myself. Well, okay, I wasn't really by myself at the time. I had six dogs. Um, so I wasn't alone, but I was absolutely terrified. And I would have every light on in the house. So I wouldn't be alone in the dark and I would sleep in the, in the, on the floor in the family room. So if I had to leave the house in a big hurry, you know, the door was right there and I had my dogs all around me and they'd be sleeping soundly. They didn't have to worry about a thing because they knew I'd be up all night just watching over them and worrying. It was crazy. So let's talk a little bit about that. What brought you to that point where you were so frightened? 
Well, I had a really traumatic experience when I was 44. And, you know, prior to that, when I was a chronic pain patient, because you had covered that in my intro, that's when I was in my mid-30s. And I went through two and a half years of excruciating, incapacitating, low back pain that actually radiated down into both legs. Uh, one side was worse than the other. And I lived that life for two and a half years. And when I finally, you know, decided, hey, the medical field or the medical experts really aren't helping me, which was hard for me to wrap my head around because I was a medical professional at the time. Right. I was a respiratory therapist. So I was working in the hospital and the emergency room, ICUs, all that kind of thing. Uh, but it was like, this isn't working. I have got to make a change here and do something different. So I fired them all, went on this healing journey, um, you know, got rid of my back pain. I was functional again. And just when I got out of pain, was at the exact same time that I was accepted into uh, the graduate program at Colorado University for physical therapy. So yay, that was wonderful. But okay, so now I wasn't in pain, but I had to sit and study for at least 12 hours a day for two uh, two years nonstop. And I was getting no exercise. So when I graduated, okay, here I am, I'm overweight, I'm out of shape, it was terrible. And I was just turning 40. And it was like, okay, we gotta do something else. You remember how you got yourself out of pain. Now you have to use those same techniques and those same ideas mm -hmm. to get you back into shape. And in a few years, I was, I was 44 years old, I was, started my own practice. I was living well, looking good. I was on top of the world and it all came tumbling down because I had this really traumatic experience. And so that got me into the cycle of basically PTSD. Mm -hmm. And what really I think made the trauma so much worse was when I had this event or this incident that happened, I thought, oh, you know, it's quite shocking. And it was like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to report this. I'm going to get help for myself. I want to make sure that this doesn't happen to any other woman. And then, you know, I'll get help and then I'll just get over this and I'll move on with my life. So when I was reaching out to the people who were closest to me, it's like, okay, this happened. Now, what do I do? I need some support. I need some guidance. Instead of getting the help and the support that I needed and wanted and was looking for, instead, I got shut down. And I was told by, especially my very best and dearest friend in all the world, that can't possibly happen. You know, you're making it up, you're exaggerating, you're mm. looking for attention. And so the next thing was, I'll just talk to my husband. So I went to my husband and he just said, oh, this sounds like girl stuff. You need to go talk to, you know, your best friend who had already shut me down. So it was one of those things where I understand now why women do not report, you know, assault, because the way I was treated after it happened was probably just as traumatic, maybe even more so than the actual event itself, because mm -hmm. to be so um, dismissed and marginalized by people who were supposed to be the closest to me. That was really, really tough. Mm -hmm. So I did what a lot of other women do. A lot of other men do it too. Uh, they just take that, whatever it is, and they stuff it deep out down inside of themselves. And I pasted a big old smile on my face and I went around my life pretending everything was just fine when obviously it was not. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you first and foremost for being vulnerable and sharing that piece. And you know, without going into detail. And I want to, mm -hmm. 
let you know that I too have had a similar experience where I finally reported and then the process of that was even worse and the treatment of it and then the, the family and the people surrounding you just want to turn the other cheek because it's hard. Mm -hmm. And, and it's interesting that that is a very, very common response. Mm -hmm. And when you start talking to people that have been victimized, many Mm -hmm. of the stories are similar, right? Right. So it's a a common response because people don't know how to, how to be with you in that. And at the same time, it's interesting because we get to find out kind of who who's got our back, who's <laughs> in the ring with us, you know, or mm-hmm. in the corner and who's not. So thank and you who again for go. sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I'm, it was really hard um, for me to start talking about it openly. And the mm. first time I ever did talk about it openly, it was uh, at a woman's group. And, you know, so there are about 30 women there and I was the featured speaker, um, you know, of their networking event. And it was like, wow, it had been 19 years and it took 19 years for me to just be able to say it. And, you know, then, of course, and it was a very supportive room, of course. And, you know, the statistics, at least half of the women in the room knew exactly what I was talking about. And you could even see it on their faces. Um, You know, but the good news is there's always light, you know, on the other side, once you come through it, you can come through it, you know, bigger, better, stronger, and more resilient than you ever were before. You know, Cheryl, it's very uh, interesting, again, because, uh, you know, we we have to heal in our own ways, right? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I would love to say, especially being from a law enforcement background, I would always encourage people to go seek the help that is available. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that I do the Wellness Driven Life Show now is because I want to share resources, tips, and tricks that people can mm-hmm. utilize on their own because that's mm-hmm. what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And you never know in every every area and district and county and state and city, they are all different. So you never really know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't go through that process too, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. should still do it. It's not going to be easy. Right. And you don't know what to expect. And that's okay because there are other things. So that's why you're here too, to share Mm -hmm. with us, what are the things that you did? How did you heal and grow outside of that horrific experience, that traumatizing piece of your life? Well, it really took a while, but I have to go back just to the law enforcement piece because I never even did go to law enforcement until about a year and a half later. And my trauma was, um, it was medical. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested. 
through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. I went into a doctor's office and a new doctor, I didn't know him, a healthy, vibrant 44-year-old woman, and I walked out as a statistic. The man was a sexual predator. And, you know, he didn't even have to go looking for his victims. They just come walking into the office and he gets to pick and choose. And for those of you who think, oh my goodness, that cannot happen, there's actually a lot of abuse sexual abuse in the medical field. And I can say that I have two medical degrees. Um, mm -hmm. and so yeah, it's, it's sad, but it's true. Predators are everywhere and we just have to understand that. So Absolutely. You know, and I want to, I want to back mm -hmm. you on that Cheryl, sure. because from me coming from a law enforcement background, I've mm -hmm. seen a lot as well. And mm -hmm. I, I want to point that out for the audience. There may be somebody listening where, mm -hmm. You would think that uh, a, pertin a person that is an authoritative figure that you're mm -hmm. supposed to trust is not always the case because there's there's good people and bad people in every single walk of life, right? Mm -hmm. So absolutely, I I want to clarify that for you as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, um, yeah. So basically. Uh, it was just a few months after the incident. And I was looking to get some body work, but of course I was very kind of like, you know, a little squishy and twitchy about walking into anybody's office and say, hey, yeah, I need a massage or acupuncture or whatever. And one of the clients, one of the women I was working with at the time um, recommended her acupuncturist. And she says, oh, I think you'll really like him. He's really good, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I know this woman was very picky and selective. So she wasn't going to send me just to just, just anybody. So I'm like, okay. So I made an appointment and I went to this acupuncturist for the first time and he seemed pretty nice, you know, very personable, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> when he started putting needles in my legs, he got a very far away look on his face and he said to me, you know, with your legs and my coaching, I could teach you how to kill with these things. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And so there I am thinking, I need to get out of here. This is a crazy person. But he literally had me pinned to the table. So he had a captive audience, yeah, unless literally. I wanted to try and grab my purse and go running out the door with needles sticking out all over me. You know, <laughs> I was there for the duration. So it's like, well, thanks anyway for thinking of me. But no, I'll just save my killer legs for ballet class. And I thought, this guy's nuts. But I went back to him because I liked him. There was something about him that I, I thought was pretty genuine. And even though every time I went back for an, an acupuncture session, he wouldn't shut up about his martial art. And he would talk constantly about Nimpo Taijutsu, the art of the ninja is what it actually is. We're, we're ninjas. And, you know, he had his dojo, his martial arts school was right next to his clinic. It was kind of like a, um, a duplex. So I would see his students coming in and out. You know, they were all men, um, but everybody seemed very nice. And he kept saying, you need to train with us. You want, you know, you'd be so good at it. You're a dancer. And, you know, and women are so good at this art because they have something men don't, their sensuality. And I'm going, okay, now I know you're crazy. And then he started talking about everything's a weapon. And once you start training, and I said, Mark, there's no way 
on God's green earth, I am ever going to take martial arts classes. My dad was a head of black belt in karate. That was as close as I'm ever going to get. This is never going to happen. Well, he just kept talking about it. And I liked him well enough. I kept going to him for, for treatment. And it was about a year and a half after, you know, the, the trauma that I was re-triggered and everything just came, you know, flying out of me and pull, you know, full-blown PTSD. I mean, it was just horrible. And I still didn't want to tell anybody or talk to anyone, but I knew intuitively for some reason, and I don't know how I knew, I just knew that I could tell him and that he would believe me and he would listen to me. Mm. And basically that is what happened. That is and, so powerful when you find somebody that you can confide in that yeah. will just listen. And like I told somebody else recently, he didn't just listen to me. He heard me. Yeah. And you could really, well, he has three daughters himself, so you can really feel how he was taking it in. And he said, it's no surprise. He says, everybody knows you're one of my favorite people. He says, and the thought that somebody did this to you makes me want to go look him up. I want to find him and I want to hurt him. And I thought, well, it's kind of violent. That's not very nice, but oh, thank you. <laughs> and then he says, I want to hurt him so bad he can't get up again. And so then he started treating me with acupuncture, um, you know, for the specific points for the trauma and Chinese herbs. And then his campaign to get me on the mat went into high gear. And he kept saying, Cheryl, I know this can help you. I know this can help you heal. And I'm looking at him going, I don't understand how hanging around a smelly dojo with a bunch of sweaty men is going to help me feel any better. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. And bless his heart, I call myself stubborn. I've never met anybody more stubborn than me, except for him. He would not give up. It took him a total of three years until he finally wore me down and I'm like, okay, I, 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 I surrender. I will take a few classes because I really want a few techniques, learn some self-defense, and then I'm going to quit. And I just wanted to take, I want to be able to prove to you how much I'm going to hate it. Three years is an impressive time period to be trying to convince somebody to take a class. Yeah, isn't it? It is. However, you know, you have mentioned how you think that every woman, all ages, should mm -hmm. have some martial arts experience. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that everyone should really have an idea, you know, mm -hmm. men, women, people of all ages, all sexes should have an idea of self-protection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. Anything could happen. <laughs> we, we just can't predict that, right? And it's better to be prepared than not to be. But really, too, the trick is to keep that training up, because what mm -hmm. I like to say is we don't rise to the level of our courage, but we fall to the level of our training. Mm -hmm. So but, you know, it would make it so much easier when we do have an idea and the concept of how to protect ourselves. Absolutely. And the thing I really want to impress on your listeners, too, it's not about learning the techniques to protect yourself. And yes, that's very important. And you will learn that. But along with the training comes, um, you know, the, that inner strength, the confidence, the ability to stay grounded, to stay focused, you're training your awareness, it's the entire package. And once you have that kind of training, and that kind of background, you become a lot less desirable 
or attractive as a target for a perpetrator. Yeah, they don't smell that victim (laughs) aspect, right? And I would say what's beautiful about martial arts is that you you get this triage. It's mind, body, soul. You get the training Mm -hmm. in all of it. You're correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I even call it mind, body, spirit, soul. Because it's it's all of those components together. And of course, that's not something I recognized immediately, you know, when I walked into the dojo for the first two years. I mean, I was terrified, thinking that, you know, God, what could possibly go wrong? Most of the time I was the only woman there with all of these guys. Um, yeah, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Um, but it worked out, obviously. Um, but it, it just gives you such it gives you such a, a sense of well-being and peace and serenity. And as I told you earlier in the show, I was afraid of the dark, which is like, hey, yeah, I'm a grown woman here. I'm afraid of the dark. I've got six dogs around me. Not that they're going to do anything, but they would bark. And about two or three years into my training, and this just came out of the blue. And when it happened, it was like, what is up with this? And where did I come up with this idea? But I woke up one night, you know, the middle of the night, I was in a bed you know, I was, I was off the floor now and I had gone back to the bedroom. So I was sleeping in the bed. The dogs were still around me. And I just got the urge to prowl. I wanted to go prowling. So I slipped out from under the covers, didn't disturb any of the dogs. So they're fine. Slipped out of bed and I walked all through my house. There wasn't a light on, not even a nightlight. I was just prowling and sensing and feeling in a very visceral, organic way how I could move in my environment and feel really powerful and feel confident and feel like, you know, I got this. And when you have that kind of energy and, and I, of course, I didn't believe this at first, it took Sensei a while to convince me. But when you take that type of energy and confidence and grounding and well-being into the world, perpetrators sense that. Even people who are not, you know, wishing you ill, they sense that, they feel that. And they know that you can take care of yourself and they just move along and they just, they're not going to bother you. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, well, that's a fun story. You know, the way that you describe that, how you just move through the house, feeling your surroundings. And that's a really good thing to know anyway, right? I encourage everybody to know their house in the pitch Mm -hmm. black, because (laughs) when emergency comes, you're going to need that. So, Mm -hmm. but that's really cool. How empowering to you know, really feel that confidence in yourself after doing a little session like that. So we're going to go into our first commercial. And when we come back, I can't wait to hear more. Stay tuned. All righty. Bella Grace means so many things to me. Um, I still remember being a young woman and having that name in my heart. And I also am a mother of two young girls now. I love more than anything to spend time with them. I wanted to do something that would be empowering, deliver amazing, proven products that work to the marketplace, but most importantly, give amazing opportunity to people all around the world. It truly is her passion. 
After over 25 years in the pharmaceutical medical world, I've dealt with lots of doctors, lots of chemists, lots of scientists. So when I saw all the double blind clinical studies that validate and back up beyond a shadow of a doubt that have over 10 years of proven results. It's truly beauty from the inside out. We knew that we were going to be bringing a very disruptive force to the health and wellness world. And that's exactly what we've done. We have exclusives to make sure that nobody can replicate or duplicate what we've brought to market. The amazing shine, the amazing plumpness, the hydration. It's as if you're watching magic happen right in front of your eyes. It's something you don't get with the most expensive products out there. We started interviewing influencers. We started interviewing influencer companies. So we thought, what if we could give them more? And that's exactly what we've given them is an influencer model, exactly what they wanted and expected, with an affiliate model built around it. They give you a platform to become an influencer. Customer service, marketing department, manufacturer, the, the packaging, the people that are doing our software, the comp plan. Every single person here are literally experts in their definitive field. It's over 100 years of experience in the direct selling world. So we've been able to partner these two worlds and bring the best of the direct sales affiliate marketing world with the passionate social media influencing world and bring them together. That's something that we haven't seen out there yet. The best tools possible, the best platform possible that anybody, even if you weren't in the established influencer, you could come here and build out a community of influencers. Anytime, anywhere, on my phone. It doesn't matter who you are, what your following is. Bella Grace is giving us all the opportunity to create a business for yourself. This is the time to take advantage of that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Find out more about Bella Grace in the description below. And coming back to you, Cheryl, you have so many incredible stories of empowering yourself. And I want to talk a little bit about your concept of neuroplasticity. Mm, oh my goodness. I wouldn't even know where to start. Okay. I, yes, I do. Um, so right be before I got into physical therapy school, I was of course taking um, prerequisites, even though, like I said, I had a, a degree. Um, my bachelor's is in respiratory therapy. That's what I did for 17 years. And so I had to go back to school anyway and take some more prerequisites. And so I had to take the upper level, level classes. I'm like, oh gosh, do I really want to do this? And I fell in love with the neurology classes more than anything. They were just 
awesome. And of course, my experience as a respiratory therapist, I worked with a lot of neurological patients uh, in that field. So it was a way to really dive in and get really deeply, you know, um, reacquainted with uh, the nervous system. And then fast forward a few years later, after um, I finished physical therapy school, I found this one method called Feldenkrais. And it was something that I had heard of over the years, like in the dance world, the dance community and the alternative health and healing. I heard the word and it's just a, such a weird name, Feldenkrais. And then I would see it being advertised classes all over town, all over Denver. And it's like, it still didn't make any sense to me. It didn't compel me at all until I think it was 2000, the year 2000 or 2001, I took my first Feldenkrais workshop. And that very first workshop, I had no idea what we were doing. I had no idea what was happening with me. I was in the throes of the PTSD. It was before I started doing my martial arts training. But one thing I did know is at the end of those three days, I felt lighter. I felt better. I felt less anxiety and less stress. I had less body aches and tension than I had in a really long time. And I knew at that point I wanted to become a practitioner. Then I found out what it uh, took to become a practitioner. It was a four-year training program. You know, I still was paying off my PT uh, loan. And I thought, man, this is just not, you know, financially, you know, it's just not going to happen, especially since most of the trainings took place in uh, New York or California. Uh, the closest one to me would be in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And you would, we would meet as a group for two weeks full-time two weeks, every three months for four years. So not only am I looking at paying the tuition, you're talking travel room and board. That's an awful lot of time. So I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, if they ever brought a training to Denver, then I would. And a couple of years later, they brought a training to Denver. I was their first student to sign up. So that's really when I got into the neuroplasticity because basically the entire uh, modality of Feldenkrais is based on the scientific principle of neuroplasticity, which is a fancy word that simply means our brain and our nervous system is completely malleable and flexible and able to change new pathways, neural pathways, and new ways of thinking, sensing, feeling, um, and moving during the entire course of our lifetime. Well, that sounds like a no-brainer, of course, no pun intended. But even when I was doing my classes in PT school, when we were doing our neurology classes, we were taught that this miracle of nature, this neuroplasticity disappears at the age of 14. And this Moshe Feldenkrais, who developed this method back in the 1920s or 30s was when he started his journey, you know, he intuitively knew that we were able to create new pathways and mm -hmm. to interrupt um, patterns and habits that we had that were, were not serving us well, to interrupt them gently to allow for new patterns and, and habits to take their place. It's a form of learning, but it's not the kind of learning we get through school or through textbooks. It's that kind of um, intrinsic internal learning that we actually are born with. And we started from the very first time we popped out of the womb um, is how we learned was through um, experiential um, exploration. Yeah. Well, and you know very well, obviously with the way that you have been leading your life is that we can change all the time. Mm-hmm. 
We're, yeah. we're constantly changing yeah. anyway. So why not bring our awareness to the change again, all for the power of good, because the neuroplasticity can go either way. It's the same thing that, you know, when I was a chronic pain patient and my doctors and therapists kept saying, you're a chronic pain patient, you're a chronic pain patient, you're a chronic pain patient. I hear this over and over and over again. It's like, no, that's not me. That's not me. Eventually it's like, yeah, I'm a chronic pain patient. So now I behave like one. So that's the dark side of neuroplasticity. And it's the same thing even mm -hmm. with addictions or yeah. um, you know, pornography or you know, those types of things. That's the dark side. But the light side and the positive side is that we can change anything. Our brain has the incredible capacity to heal and lead us in a direction that we really want our life to go. We just have to know which messages to send to it and which ones that we need to just like hit the delete button on. So can you give us a couple tips and tricks that people can utilize starting today? I mean, this is free. You know, that's the beautiful thing, right? Is that we learn that so much of our change is within us. We have all of the tools that we need. What are some things that you do on a daily basis to keep you going strong? Well, the first thing I did, and that started years ago, and thank goodness I did change that, was to eliminate the negative self-talk. Nobody could beat me up better than I could beat up myself. And I know right now oh, half of your listeners are nodding their heads because they understand exactly what I'm saying. When you look at the mirror in the morning, look, really look at yourself, look at your eyes and understand and really appreciate the beautiful person that you are, not just externally, but internally, we get so many messages, especially from media, society, you know, that, um, oh, we need to fix this about ourselves, fix that and all the negative information. It's like you are perfect just the way you are. So take what you've got and just capitalize on it. Appreciate it. Love yourself. Be nice to yourself. Every time you say, oh, I'm so stupid, corrected. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm a brilliant person. Look at me. Look at what I've accomplished in my life. Same thing. It's like, oh, look at this, you know, I, my body, that body shaming, don't do it to yourself. Your body is such an incredible gift and it can do anything. It's just really magical. If you're having aches and pains, well, that's an opportunity to figure out how can I take myself to a, a different level so I can move a little bit um, more mindfully. I can move a little bit more effortlessly and I can stop straining and struggling so much. It sounds really simple and it kind of is, but getting started is probably the hardest part. Absolutely. I'm gonna bring in a comment. Um, this is from Redefining Destiny. Positive affirmations are essential to carry with us throughout our day. So just a as you were describing. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit too, Cheryl, and highlight your podcast because you too run a show and you mm -hmm. interview others. And so mm -hmm. one of the best things about that is that we get to you know, see and meet so many incredible human beings and have an incredible conversation and mm -hmm. learn, you know, all the trials and tribulations and the resilience from that. So you had a guest recently, and one of the things I appreciated about him, and you can say his name if you remember, I do not, but <laughs> he just mentioned how we are all born, you know, just 
perfect and with intention and all mm-hmm. unique, every mm-hmm. single person, every single one of us, and that we have gifts. We were born with talents and gifts that mm-hmm. we uniquely get to use here and that we came into this world with a, a vision, a goal, something that we're supposed to do. And we were excited about it before mm-hmm. we came. Mm-hmm. And before everybody just kind of sucked the life and the joy out of us and told us that, no, you can't do that because it's not practical or whatever. Yes, mm-hmm. his name is... Um, it's either Kellen or Kelan. I think it's Kellen Flukiger. Flukiger, yes. Uh, interesting last name. And I think it was episode 245. So it just recently aired um, just this week or last week. I can't remember. I'm confused now with the three-day weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was actual actual words of brilliance. But the thing is, I hear that over and over again from so many of my guests, they say basically, basically the same thing. Um, As a matter of fact, he just popped up on my computer screen thanking me for the links that I sent him. So isn't that, that's really funny. Um, But I hear that. (laughs) Universe is speaking. We're all connected, aren't we? I know. I just love it. And that's the one thing I love about doing the podcast is that I get to meet people like him and so many other wonderful people who, you know, I think sometimes, yeah, I've got a lot of bad stuff in my story in my life, but I I managed to recover. I hear some of the best ones do. And you know, I I know you figured that out by now that it's the people who have gone through the, the worst of the worst that, when they rise, they really mm-hmm. rise and shine. I think I can't remember. It was one of my client or my guests recently that when she was describing her story, and I said, and how grateful she is now, and how much gratitude and the gratitude practice. And I was just nodding my head, and I just said, you know, there's nothing like being staring at the gates of hell mm-hmm. to really appreciate and coming back to really appreciate the small things in life. And, I, and that's that's why I do the podcast. I know that's probably why do you do yours is just to help empower, educate, motivate, and give hope to people out there. I love the fact that we can share our stories in such an open and honest way and not be criticized for it. And the way we share our stories, then we get to find out that we all have the same type of goals. We're not that different. We all have the same desires in life. You know, they might be a little bit different, but we all want to be healthy, happy. We want to find love and contentment and safety. And by sharing our stories, I think that we can really build a better society because heaven knows we need a little bit of help here. Yeah. Well, right? and speaking of stories, I want to bring in something. Um, and I always ask my guests to, you know, if they want to leave a fun fact, hobby, food, bucket list, something unique. And I love what you left, if I can share that. Do you remember what it is? I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And I think it it it, it might involve um, a metal pole and... Yeah. yeah. I'm going to read this because I think this is so fun. (laughs) Well, when I turned 58, I decided it was time to start engaging in a more age appropriate activity. So I started pole dancing. At 63, I entered a competition and I won. I am officially a gold medal pole dancer. (laughs) 
And I just love that because how wild is that? So tell me, tell a little bit about that. Oh my gosh, that is just the craziest story I tell you. And I am still pole dancing. I'm even teaching at the studio now. I don't teach pole. Um, I teach somatic movement, basically Feldenkrais, but I had to sneak the Feldenkrais, the F word, like, you know, slip it in the back door so it wouldn't turn people off because they wouldn't know what the heck that was anyhow. Um, but anyway, I, you know, when I was in training, when my martial arts, um, at the very beginning, when I was a white belt, I met another woman. She was a very young woman. She was only 30. Oh, no, she was 30 years younger than me. She was in her 20s back then, maybe even younger. And we were both white belts together. We only took one class together and I couldn't stand her and she couldn't stand me because I was this fluffy little princess. And she was like, I want to be a martial artist. That's all I want to do in my entire life. And it's like, oh God, lighten up. So anyhow, uh, that was the only time I saw her. And she ended up quitting the dojo because she had to do that pesky college thing. And when she came back, she looked at me and she goes, oh my God, you're still here. And you're a blue belt. And I'm like, yeah, well, who knew? We ended up being really good friends great friends. And, you know, we, we trained together, we encouraged each other, we worked together and we have this incredible synergy and relationship, even though, you know, all she ever wanted to do her entire life was to be a martial artist and open up her own dojo someday. All I ever wanted to do in my life was to be a princess and maybe open up a ballet studio someday. So we couldn't have been any different. Well, like I said, we got to be really, really good friends. And she had a girlfriend who started doing pole. And she was so excited about it. And she would come in and say, look at what Dawn could do. And she would show me pictures. And it's like, oh my goodness, how can a human body do this? It was crazy. And like she was in these upside down positions and everything. And she says, they do the exact same thing we do in NIMPO in our martial arts. She goes, but you know, we do it with a moving body and the, the movement we do throws the body across the room. The movements they do just has them twirl around the pole. She says, you need to try this. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Pole dancing, I don't think so, but thanks. And she just wouldn't give it up. I know I surround myself with stubborn people. And finally, I said to her, you know, Vanessa, you're so into this. You know, you're so um, mesmerized and fascinated by the physics of it. Let's take a class together. I said, it'd be really fun. You and I will take a, a beginning pole class. And she got real kind of like, you know, I don't know. She says, if it was just brute strength, I'd say, okay. She goes, but that dancing stuff, I don't think I can do that. And I was like, okay, I'll just take a beginning class by myself. And so I take this class and we're doing the dancey stuff. It's like, yeah, that's not in her DNA. But we, I started really enjoying it. I mean, it was not that hard because we were just walking around the pole and, you know, like on our tippy toes. Well, I'm a ballet dancer. I could do that. No big deal. And I just got hooked when we started doing the spins around the pole, you know, because I love to turn, but you can't turn that much or that fast in ballet. At least I couldn't. But you hang on to the pole and you can just spin around until, you know, you feel dizzy and, you know, then you have to stop. And then it got really challenging because then I had to go upside down and invert. Mm. And to get your, your rear end over your head while you're hanging on to a metal pole. And the only thing between you and the floor, you know, is your head. Again, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> but all of the, a lot of these other women could do it. And it's like, why can't I, I, I want to be able to figure that out, you know? So basically I was hooked and I have the most charming, delightful, um, pole coach, you know, I have a private coach along with my classes and I call her the enabler because she gets you to do things that you think you never in your life ever would want to do. 
ever. And she always, from the first time she met me because of my background in, in dance, she kept saying, you need to perform, you need to perform. And I'm like, that is never going to happen. So about five years of this, I walk into her um, studio one day for a private lesson and she's all smiles and she has her hands together. She's so beautiful and she's so adorable. And she looks up at me. She says, there's something I want you to do. And I just looked at her and I mimicked her. I mirrored her and I said, no, I'm not going to perform. And she said, oh, I don't want you to perform. I want you to compete. And I bust out laughing and I said, that, my friend, is never going to happen. Well, about six months later, I found myself up on a stage between two poles in front of 200 people, six of them who were judging me. That was my first competition. And you won. And I won. Well, you know, let's be honest. It was a small category. There were only three of us competing because there aren't that many. This is a real, you know, spoiler alert. There aren't that many women over 50 who want to put on a pole outfit and compete in front of people. Well, it's still the fact that you did it and how fun it became for you and also mm -hmm. a challenge. I think that mm -hmm. challenges are really nice. That's how we keep striving to do our mm -hmm. best. Um, you know, otherwise things are just the same old, same old and boring when we, when we're not given those challenges. So I think that's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing it. Well, and I, I want to tie that back to what you said earlier about that you should do something every day, you know, that scares yourself. Yeah. Again, I don't believe in the everyday thing, but I think that if we don't challenge ourselves and get ourselves out of our comfort zone, we stop growing. Yeah. And even, you know, I didn't even know until they called my name if I was going to step out on that stage. And then <laughs> once I did, it was like, okay, I'm here now. The music started. It was fine. Yeah. But the fascinating thing is about a week and a half later, I was going to be doing a presentation to for a networking group, a professional presentation. And as you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm sure if there are speakers in the audience, I always still would get really, you know, nervous and worked up and to be, you know, in front of those people. And it was like, <sighs> this is going to be a piece of cake. At least I can keep all my clothes on and there's no, you know, no chance I'm going to fall on my head or slide off the pole. So it was like, that was so much easier. And when you challenge yourself and you do yeah. something that is really kind of terrifying, as long as you're safe, as long as it's a safe situation, yeah. do it because that allows for incredible growing moments. And uh, then the other scary things are like, this is nothing. It does. And especially in front of others, because, you know, with speaking being one of the biggest fears that humans face for whatever mm -hmm. reason, but it's being in front of the crowds and not feeling acceptance. And so when you can start putting yourself out there in front of a crowd, in front of an audience, that definitely is where you experience exponential growth. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring in, and you do have them in your background, but I wanted to bring in your books because the Forever Fit and Flexible really was your, it was your first book. It was your first journey into sharing this concept of what mm -hmm. you found worked for you. And if you don't mind, Cheryl, going over those things that you used to really stay forever fit and flexible. I hope I can remember all of them, but it starts with number one is mindset. 
absolute mindset. And I, even in the book, I use the, um, the example of Peter Pan trying to get Wendy and, you know, the, the other kids to fly. You have to think lovely thoughts, basically to give yourself positive um, affirmations, just like, you know, the um, other lady said, I can't remember her name, positive affirmations. Don't compare yourself to others. Mm -hmm. um, set small goals. Don't say, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next month. No, 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 no. Just, hey, I think I'm going to change the way I'm, I'm, I eat today. Your small changes really last. Again, you're using that neuroplasticity. The mm -hmm. self-awareness, um, the awareness of what you are doing how you are carrying yourself uh, during every day. You have to build a strong foundation, which means that you don't want to just start exercising, you know, really hard, maybe going to the gym. You have to work off of your structure, your structural alignment. Our, our bodies are much like, um, think of the foundation of a house, although, of course, we're far more beautiful in our design and our function and magnificent, but you want to make sure that you are on your structure means your postural alignment. And I give tips on how to find that in the book, because there's no such thing in my book as good posture or bad. It's neutral posture, what works for you so that um, your body is perfectly aligned and the forces of gravity can go through it in a proper way. And then we do talk about, you know, of course, posture, core strength without doing sit-ups. It's amazing how you can get a very strong core without cranking your neck and ruining your back. Mm -hmm. Talk about balance, flexibility. The flexibility thing has full of surprises because believe it or not, you can be more flexible without stretching. And there's a physiological reason for that. And it's in the book. So it's all of that that's put together. I even have a chapter on nutrition. And I fully admit that I really know nothing about uh, nutrition, except because I am a physical therapist who hates exercise and thinks that chocolate is food, but it works. So it's all about moderation. So there's a lot of tips yeah. like that in the book. And there's even a program where you can do some of the movement explorations um, that I describe. It's not exercise. It's just ways to have you become more self-aware, aware of your body, aware of your movement, and to move smarter, not harder. Yeah, absolutely. Smarter, not harder. Because that definitely helps avoid injury or any other is issues there. Mm -hmm. I I think that that book is full, full of fun things. And I like the stories that you in tell in there. Okay. So definitely a great book. And then this is the most recent. This is your story, The Reluctant Ninja, How a Middle-Aged Princess Became a Warrior Queen. And mm -hmm. this is really about your journey through that traumatizing event and going mm -hmm. through the healing process with martial mm -hmm. arts. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And, you know, it is a roller coaster ride, even as I was writing it, um, you know, because I always used to say when I was a brand new student, well, probably even the first well, maybe the whole time I would just look and say when I'd find myself in a ridiculous situation at the dojo and I'm like, I'm going to write a book about this someday. And I really thought, you know, everybody says they're going to write a book someday. And then when it finally got to is probably, you know, the middle of COVID that I sat down, it's like, you know, I had all the notes I and I just sat down and I just pumped it out. And as I was writing, I, you know, the, I was laughing at this one part. I was laughing so hard. Tears were just rolling down my eyes as I'm typing. I thought that's funniest story. Then the next day I come down and I'm typing, I'm starting to get mad. It's like, Hey, how, you know, ooh. so I went through that entire roller coaster ride as I was writing the story, but I made mm -hmm. sure that I added, cause there's a lot of, you know, a little bit heavy stuff in it, but there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of empowerment. 
There are some really hilarious stories. There are some heartbreaking stories, and there are some stories that are nothing but spirit. And I really hope that um, my readers seem to be able to resonate with that. And I've been getting like great reviews and won two awards. So I'm pretty happy about that. That's yeah, absolutely. You should be happy about that. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. That's not an easy feat. Many people no. do write books, but winning awards and having incredible accolades is is something else. Well, so, and I did I did want to mention this about it though. Once the book did get published, I had three really rough weeks. It was like it's out there now and a lot of detail. And it was like, I can't get the genie back in the bottle. What am I going to nope. do? It's okay. And I'd sit in my, you know, try and hide under the bed, but I couldn't fit. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. As long as nobody who knows me reads it, it's going to be okay. It took me a few weeks to calm myself down. Well, as soon as I got myself into a happy place, this is going to be just fine. Walked into the dojo one day and there was a copy of the book sitting on Sensei's desk. He's still talking to me, so I guess it worked out okay. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I brought in some of these other pictures, and I'll just go through them quickly. But I, I really enjoyed these photos of you. And, um, you know, with the sword and the ninja, it's just a beautiful representation of the powerful you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. So I want to make sure that everybody knows how to find you. And so for those of you that are listening in, you can go to www.cherylilove.com and that is C-H-E-R-Y-L-I-L-O-V.com. And also that's going to be in the description below. Many of you are going to be watching the replays. Please check that out and find Cheryl. And also if you have any questions, even when you're watching the replay, you can leave them in the comment section below and we will return the answers. So uh, Cheryl, you have been such a light on the Wellness Driven Life Show today. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. so much of yourself today and all the things that you're doing and how you're inspiring so many others. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? I don't know. Just thank you so much for your kind words. And thank you for having me on the show. I really do appreciate it. And if people, I do want um, your audience to know, if you do go to the website, I do offer complimentary 30-minute consultation. So if you have any questions about fitness over 50, um, if for your listeners, I know right now there are some women going, hey, I'm thinking maybe I should study martial art. If you're wondering how to go about picking the right school or, or any questions about that or picking an art, uh, reach mm -hmm. out to me because I am more than happy to spend some time talking to you and, and kind of guiding you through that process to make sure that you have a good experience and don't get into the wrong school. I really appreciate you offering that. And that is definitely something to consider when we guide people into whatever it is that has worked for us mm -hmm. and leading them in the right direction. Because you're right. You know, the worst thing is when you go to try something and you have this awful experience mm -hmm. and then it stops you from proceeding any further. So mm -hmm. learning from others when they have already gone through experiences is definitely key. That's why we have coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And just so your audience knows and you know, I'm working on the next book and that is a little bit more of a how to. So it's sharing some of these tips and tricks and I call them ninja secrets um, for other women that you can 
utilize and you can apply a lot of these, the, the principles, the philosophies, um, you know, the life lessons that I learned along the way so that you can use them and utilize them yourself uh, without having to spend 20 years in a smelly dojo with a bunch of sweaty men, the way I did getting smacked around. <laughs> so I took the hits so you don't have to. Oh, cool. Cool. You took the hits so we don't have to. So mm -hmm. that's the other thing is what is happening next? What is your big things? And so you're writing another book. That's incredible. I know that you're a speaker and so you speak and do you, you know, offer coaching programs right now. I know that you do the podcast. So what are things that people will find when they go to you? Well, I do work with people one-on-one -on -one online. Uh, I do teach a, a weekly class here in town and I do um, workshops. I get hired, you know, to go to, I did a wonderful one up near Vail, Colorado uh, last spring. So um, if they just, you know, want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, typically what I do is it's mostly, um, mostly just the movement. I call it meditation through movement, but it's just all of the principles that I teach taught teach my clients uh, both when I had my office and now of how to be able to move better feel better eliminate eliminate aches and pains how you can improve your posture without doing like really strange machinations getting your core strength the flexibility flexibility in your joints whatever it is that is ailing you if I am not able to help you with it or if I think that this is something that you know the person needs to see somebody else first I will guide them in a different direction so there's so many things that you can do uh, there's no need to suffer in silence if it's with your health your wellness your fitness um, there's so much out there Cheryl because you have experienced so much and dabbled in so much. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite thus far? You know, when it comes to our overall wellness and wholeness, what would you say is the mm -hmm. strongest thing for you? Boy, that is an excellent question. I'm going to have to say that it truly is the martial art, although it's a combination, it's a synergy of the martial art and the Feldenkrais method. Um, interestingly enough, Moshe mm -hmm. Feldenkrais, who developed the method, was a martial artist. He was an expert in judo. Um, and the two of them have the exact same philosophies and principles, something that I did not understand at first, but I can see it, you know, just the way it is yeah. melded and, and, and intertwined is actually really beautiful. But both of those had just been amazing. The, both of them together was an amazing life transformation. I hardly recognized myself. I even remember exactly the day that I realized that I was not fat, ugly, and stupid. Oh. I was 50 years old. I remember exactly where I was, exactly what the weather was like, exactly what I was wearing. And it was like, what have I been telling myself? And who have I been listening to all these years? But it's just amazing transformation. That is. Yeah. Cheryl, thank you so much for being. Oh, thank you, April. It's been wonderful. You're welcome. All right. Well, Goodbye for now, and we will see you later.